0: Hey, everybody, we are here to tell you about a cool new feature on the website that we would love for you to check out.
1: Head to to HowToSplitAToaster.com and check out the bottom of the page. You'll find a box floating there that says, quote, Ask Seth and Pete, close quote.
0: This box is magical. You just type a question in there and the robots behind the scenes will search the actual audio of our entire library of past episodes and not only give you a short answer to your question, but point you to the specific episodes where we discussed your topic so you can listen yourself.
1: At this point, we're just testing it to know if this feature should be a permanent feature on the website. We need your help for that we need you to ask a lot of questions
0: so head to how to split a toaster.com and click the box ask zeth and pete the robots will do the rest
1: on with the show
0: welcome to how to split a toaster a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from true story fm today we're cleaning out the toaster
1: Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Seth Nelson, and as always, I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright. Today on the show, we're talking about stuff. No, not equitable distribution. We've done that already. Today, we're talking about clutter, about organizing the stuff of your life that happens during and after your divorce. Julie Caraccio is an award-winning professional life and end-of-life organizer and professional declutterer and the author of 15 books. Julie, welcome to the toaster.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Julie, what Seth doesn't know, and I don't know this, actually he might know this, but we've never talked about it, is that I am obsessed with decluttering and organizing stuff. So, like, this is my, I watch for fun, I watch people organizing stuff in, like, time-lapse on YouTube. Time-lapse organizing and decluttering is one of my favorite things. Every year in one of our online communities, we run a month-long decluttering expo. I am so excited for this conversation. It is irrational. It
1: is absurd. Okay, I have a confession. <gasps> I did not know that about you, Pete. Yeah? But we actually have something in common. What? What? I basically have a rule that if I don't use it for a year, I obviously don't need it. And I get rid of it, donate it, reuse it. And if I, this is really my wife's rule, though she hasn't said it explicitly, but I know it's implicitly there. If I buy a pair of shoes, one pair has got to go.
0: Yep. One in, one out, baby.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Julie. So how did we do? Is the show over now?
2: Uh, There you go. You're all set. (laughs) You've created two rules you are good.
0: This is so great because we're talking about divorce and decluttering. And we've never when we talk about stuff in the context of divorce, we're always talking about splitting it. We never talk about what the hell you do with it once you've got it. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what we're going to talk about today. Julie, how would you like to start? I have I have a bullet list that I'm very excited about checking things off. But I I cede the floor to you. Where do you start this conversation when you're talking about divorce and decluttering?
2: Well, honestly, if it was me, I'd start it before marriage. But, you know, that's a whole other (laughs) thing. But, you know, you have to start it immediately. You know, I've worked with people who have, as you could, like the name of your podcast, about the toaster, who have split everything and they're in the lawyer's office. Like, I would like, this would drive me insane. I couldn't be able to do that. So you have to, in my opinion, have to have the start start the conversation immediately. Because that's time, you know, especially if it's a contentious divorce, it's going to show up in the stuff, right? Because, you know, whatever happened, and then I'm taking the toaster, I'm taking the vacuum cleaner, whatever it is, and it can get really awful.
1: We've always talked about who gets what. What I think Julie's talking about is, let's divide up less stuff because we're going to just get rid of some things and declutter. But I had a case many, many years ago I was the mediator. Neither party was represented. And they started saying, I want this. I want that for personal property. And they already had their list. They just didn't say who wanted what. It was the whole list. And literally, I'm just a simple guy. I gave the guy a blue highlighter. I gave the woman a pink highlighter. I said, highlight everything that you want to keep. If you don't highlight it, you don't care about it. The other side can have it. They did that. I then came to them with one list. It had blue, which meant the husband wanted it, the wife did not. It had pink, the wife wanted it, the husband did not. It had yellow, they both wanted it, Mm. and it had green. And green was the longest part on the list. Remember, they made the list of everything there, and I had highlighted green neither one of them wanted. Yeah, They didn't highlight it, either one of them. And I said, all that shit's mine. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's but now it that I'm talking to, to Julie, I needed to declutter and just not take it. But literally, if the husband would have said, or the wife would have said, I want X, the other would have said they wanted it too. That's why I didn't go back and forth. I said, just tell me what you want.
2: Yeah. I think that's a great solution. And it's, to me, fascinating that green was the most, right? Because that tells us a lot. Neither of them wanted it, we have so much stuff.
1: But it's hard for people to declutter.
2: Absolutely.
1: Why is it so hard?
2: I'd say one of the biggest places that people get messed up and make it difficult is with the memories, right? Oh, I remember, I mean, even if, you know, there's a divorce, there can still be some happy memories there. But what we do is we place our memories on the object instead of remembering that they're in our heart and our head, right? Because if I let the object go, the memories are going to stay. So that's where a lot of people get tripped up. I think when people have clutter and disorganized, they honestly don't know how much they own. Oh, wow, we have three toasters. Who would have thought, right? But I don't know where everything is. And then, okay, I can give some away. I just didn't know that I had that much. And then the big thing for a lot of people is overwhelm where do I start? I haven't done, we're getting divorced. It's been 20, 30 years. We've been married. How are we going to get through all this stuff? So those
1: are start in the junk drawer.
2: Well, yes, that's a possibility. I think it's a good idea to start in one room and you keep in that room and you don't move to another room until you're done because sometimes people do that. Oh, I'll start work here, but then I'm going to go to another room and then I haven't really done anything. I'm just not doing that and starting in one area junk drawer is a great example. That's something that you can usually do pretty quickly. And it's fairly easy. And that can build your muscle and your confidence to do
0: more. Well, let's talk about the, the domino effect, though, because I think that's one of the things when you're organizing and decluttering uh, is when you run into things like the junk drawer, and you find that first thing that you say, hey, you know what, I think that actually belongs in a different space in a different room. And then you're in that other room. And now you're finding a space for another object and suddenly you're distracted from the original thing. So how do you encourage people to talk about that sort of um, systemization of decluttering and organizing as they're going through and getting rid of all their stuff in this in this plan?
2: Great question. So prior to doing that, you want to set up. I'm a fan of either boxes or strong bags. You don't want the last thing you want to do is have a crappy plastic bag and you fill it and then it explodes everywhere. So you create. An area that's labeled keep goes to a different place, donate belongs to someone else that shouldn't even be here. Recycle, you know, figure out where your categories are. And so you do that and you're like, okay, my setup, but I'm going to take what belongs in another room and put that pile and sort it later. I keep going until I've accomplished the little area that I and finish that before moving on. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I and, and that gets to that to to fighting that instinct to just declutter as you as you go every space in your house. Right. That focus matters. I let, let's take take a step back, though, to the to building this plan, uh, bef- like when you start the divorce. Right. When you think you're going to get divorced, starting to plan around your stuff, because I think there are there are these two. I guess major categories, which are the the physical possessions, the things that you want to actually potentially declutter, and you're talking about the emotional connection to objects, right? The things that you don't maybe need, but you like what they what they do to your brain and your body when you think about them and hold them. Uh, and, And then we have other categories of stuff like documents, like paper management. Who's dealing with the files, right? How do you go about helping people who are struggling with managing the scope of this process? building something that they can work through? How do you encourage people to start? So
2: I am a fan of writing things down because if we write it down, we get it done. And you might put that on an app. It might be pen and paper for you. And so I'm a firm believer you should go through everything you own once a year. Now, if it's been years since you've gone through something. The first time you do that, it's gonna take time. But if you continue to do that once a year, it's a breeze. Like seriously, you can get it done really quickly. So I would write all the rooms out. And then I would say, like, for instance, I'm in my office, so I would say, you know, bookcase one, bookcase two, built-ins, and then computer desk, filing cabinet, and then I would go through each. And I would start with the bookcase, and then when I was done with that, I'd go to the second bookcase and breaking it down into manageable steps. I talked about earlier, one of the reasons that people get stuck is they're overwhelmed. Oh, my gosh, I need to declutter my house. Of course that's overwhelming. So That's why we want to create a plan and make a list. And then, you know, that great satisfaction of crossing it off when we're done.
1: But Julie, what happens when you're looking at something and you're like, but I might need this.
2: Uh, I'm so glad you asked that because people, I might need this someday, right? And then a decade's gone by and you've never used it. So this is what I say to my clients. Can you trust that you'll get what you need when you need it? So for instance, maybe you let a tool go. My husband's really handy. Can you trust that, maybe five years from the you do need it, but can you borrow it? Is there a place where you can rent it? You know, what are our options? It's not immediately gotten buy another one, but the likelihood, yes, absolutely. Sometimes you might give something away and you do need it. But in my experience, it's a loss less than people anticipate. And that's just an excuse to not give it, oh, I might need it someday. Well, that's my excuse. So then I don't have to let it go.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a huge one. I, I think that I the once you sort of open your mind to how easy it is to access access whatever it is that you need, whatever tool, whatever, but you you can get a lot on short term pretty easily these days. And it I I sort of can't look at my closet right now because I'm applying all of this to my office closet and thinking, huh, that that kid could be empty, and and that leads to hidden spaces, right? the stuff that we throw into our closets and call it organized. Would you have a rule of thumb on managing hidden spaces like that?
2: Out of sight, out of mind. And that's, yeah, a definite thing that people do a lot. Again, I think it goes back to what I think is important is one, do everything annually, but have a maintenance plan, right? So if you know that I use a term like Superman, your clutter kryptonite, what's your clutter kryptonite? Like mine's leopard print, right? Oh my gosh, leopard print shoes. All right, come on down, right? But I'm aware, what is my clutter kryptonite, right?
1: That sets too, actually, it's so weird no i'm I'm <laughs> laughing' and pete i'm gonna I'm gonna fight back on you in a minute. you like I wasn't gonna mention this, but in a minute, I'm gonna bring it on after we talk about Julie. everyone has their little one thing that they or two things that they know,
2: so I know that that's my and that makeup sample, so if I'm gonna go to the store, then I'm like, okay, you've gotta pay attention, don't just grab the oh, you can lose ten pounds, get rid of wrinkles, you know, give it to me okay, let's come on. Are you really going to use it?
1: Self-awareness there.
2: Self-awareness, a thousand percent. And then also to have a maintenance plan. Like if your closet is where you get stuck, we all have, for women especially, closets are really, tend to be one of those areas that are really difficult. So then that's going to need a little more attention. And, and it's about discernment, right? So maybe you need to hire someone, but maybe you need to bring your BFF over to help you to have someone who's non-judgmental. that's really important, and who's not emotionally attached to be able to ask you questions you know for instance with the closet tags on it you've never worn it uh okay well how about if we give it to the battered women's shelter right because there's someone that is who might have left in the middle of the night with just the clothes on their backs and that's someone who's going to need it and get good use out of it that's something that i try to and a little note with kids too if you have your kids uh, sometimes when kids struggle to release things Pick a charity, or we're gonna give that blanket to the animal shelter, and it's gonna help the cats and the dogs. Oh, okay, so it's gonna go to a good home, I can let it go.
1: And the other thing I did with my son when he was we were getting rid of stuff, I would say, you can keep five of these things. So then he prioritized them. Of course, then I had to negotiate, okay, it's seven, but it wasn't, do you wanna keep this one, yes, no, because it's always yes, And, and to your point, it was like, oh my God, my friend gave that to me for my fourth birthday you know, whatever the case may be. But when you said you're you're only allowed to keep so many, then they started prioritizing.
2: That's great. And it's important, start them young, right? Because then that helps them understand Because if we keep everything, if everything has value, then nothing does. And so that's teaching them discernment and what's important. And I love that you ask your kids that because a lot of times you might think, oh, they want to save this clay pot that they made and they have zero emotional attachment, but something else is more important to them.
1: Exactly. So I will tell you, I know one of my, I'm thinking if I have more than one, bags, like backpacks, suitcases, whatever. Oh. That's one of mine, Pete. I'm giving you that. But here's the thing about decluttering that I think is really important. You can put bags in bags. So it, it doesn't look cluttered. But it might <laughs> and that's be. That's okay. You know what?
2: And I'm not militant. Like you have to get rid of everything. But if you say to me, Oh, bags and an album collection and golf shirts and sports equipment, do you know what I mean? And everything's a collection, then I'm like, Okay, let's take a moment here.
1: That's not a collection. That's called hoarding. There's a difference.
2: Right. Well, no, you can collect things and not be a hoarder. And it can be like I saw someone with beer steins recently. Like, wow, there's a lot of beer steins. And guess what? We're downsizing. We're not going to be able to keep all the beer steins. So what are we going to go through with the collection that we really like? Have your bags. But again, I'm going to say go through them every year or go through them every two years. Here's a
1: hypothetical. Okay. <laughs> Spoiler, it's not a hypothetical. <laughs> what happens if someone keeps on to things and they're cluttering, but they're disguising it as artwork? So let me just give you an example. If someone had a bunch of old electronics and they no, put them on their it... wall, <laughs> look at look at the back repeats.
2: <laughs> uh, okay.
1: <laughs> that's, that's uncool, man. Is that, that cool. cluttering I was or is also- that
2: art? You know what? I don't think it looks clutter, for, honestly, from what I see. He's created something. Bless you. You know, uh, for me, it's a tad bit visually overwhelming. I'm super visual. It's a, I'm going to not lie. It's, it's yeah. a little overwhelming for me. But I don't think, you know, if he enjoys it and it brings him joy. Now, if every square part was covered... Again, like if it's his office, you know, who has to be in there.
0: My space is is a representation of my personality and I might be a little too much for other people too. I get that. I recognize that. That's
1: fine. No, but I, I think it's important distinction though, because that's why I was saying is that is I actually think it's really cool that Pete has all that stuff on his wall. It's not what I would like, but I know Pete and it does represent him. Right. And so that makes sense to me. I'm just really pulling your chain there. But I think Like to your point, Julie, like when you have beer steins or whatever, and it just takes over everything.
2: And remember, you have to maintain all this stuff. You have to dust it and you say, well, I hire a cleaner. okay?" but then you're going to have to pay to have all that stuff dusted. And, you know. When I talk about the cluttering, it's more than just the physical stuff. And so they've done studies, like if you have a messy desk, people don't trust you as much. You might be passed over for a promotion. So all the stuff in your space space is affecting you mentally, emotionally, on all levels.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that because that was going to be my next question. I am physically uncomfortable if I am in a house that has a lot of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might like the person immensely, but when there's like little tchotchkes everywhere, it's like just fucking overloading <laughs> on me.
2: Yeah.
1: And, but if I'm in a house where it's like minimalist and the counters are clean and there's not much on there, like one friend of mine, I went in there, I'm like, oh my God, I love your house and the way you've decorated it. They started laughing because they said, my mother comes over and says, you can't afford furniture. <laughs> because there was so few spaces. But it just felt so good to me.
2: Well, everything's energy, right? And so all the stuff is taking up. And they talk about in feng shui. Like if I had just gotten divorced, I would want all new things. I would want I wouldn't want the stuff, right? Because it has the energy of that relationship and I'd want minimal stuff to bring in whether it's a new job, a new relationship into your life. If you have clutter, that's that stuck, stagnant energy. You can't welcome in new experiences.
1: Yeah, but what I find, Julie, is in the divorce process is, one, people feel like something is empty anyway, and then if they don't have much stuff, it's even more empty, and I think they're battling that.
2: But what are you trying to fill? Like When you collect, and Feng Shui, they talk about this, what you collect reflects what you believe you're missing in your life. So I would be really interested, like, you get divorced, okay, what is it that you started to collect, right? Okay, you could say love, whatever, but I think also you can be like an archaeologist and dig a little deeper in what's going on here. You know, you can't expect someone else to fulfill your needs. You have to do that on your own. And when you are happy and whole, then you can bring that into your life. So it's about self-examination and knowing yourself.
1: And I will tell you, from the family law attorney, divorce attorney perspective, we hate talking about personal property.
2: Oh, really? Interesting. Okay.
1: We hate it. Because ultimately, we're here trying to help people. And when they're dividing up their personal items, and judges hate it too, because it takes up judicial resources. And even in court, when you're arguing in Florida, check your local jurisdiction, it says sentimental value is a value that can't be put a price on it. But when a judge is deciding who should get the item, they can do that. So judges hate it. I mean, they will make quick decisions like that. Lawyers hate it because you're paying me all this money to divide up stuff where you can just go buy it.
2: Right, right. right.
1: Um, And it's always the very last thing to talk about in a settlement agreement. And it's always like the last thing and we have nothing left to trade. And you're dividing up $3 million worth of real estate in 401ks and IRAs and brokerage accounts and kids' college funds, and we did a parenting plan that was complex because someone traveled but they wanted to have 50-50. We're doing all this stuff. We make all these trades and then it comes down to the toaster and we have nothing left to trade and it blows up the whole deal.
0: Derails everything.
1: So do it early. Don't wait.
2: Do it early. And- And don't become attached. It's just stuff, right? What did I talk about earlier? Can you trust that you'll get that toaster after the divorce? Can you let it go? And, you know, the cluttering is about letting go. Whatever it's relationship, health clutter, it's letting go.
0: I feel like this is going to be my model. I'm going to look at my house. I'm going to walk through my house and I'm going to make a list of the stuff that I would want to grab if my house was on fire. Right. And then everything else really could go. What is the most important? Like, okay, it's fair. There might be a tier two
1: (laughs) of stuff that that I'd like to keep. When the fire's uh, only in the kitchen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, when (laughs) the fire's in the kitchen. But but there is like so much stuff that I just would not, um, that I feel like if I really went and and looked at it with this kind of critical eye, I could let go of it before I go into a divorce process, right? And leave the stuff that I would want to take in a fire and negotiate over that. If it's that important, if I can't figure it out, you know, on my own, uh, take the the blue and the pink and the green highlighters to it. I think my green list could be pretty long.
2: And, you know, you have to pay to move things. So that's another, I love the fire. That's, I give that example. Or if, would you pay to move that?
0: Yeah, Right. All right. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. Seth, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, about 10 percent of children live with a parent with an alcohol use disorder. It's just tragic.
1: Pete, we hear this statistic all the time. At the end of the day, the courts don't care about the statistic. The courts care about keeping kids safe. And when I mean safe, I mean safe from a party who truly suffers from an alcohol disorder or is being wrongly accused of having alcoholism or some other alcohol disorder. It's easy and it saves you money. Instead of he said, she said, there's sober links.
0: Soberlink is fantastic, and they are a fantastic partner to this show. So, what is Soberlink? Soberlink is a device. It's like a breathalyzer, but it is more. You blow into Soberlink whenever you want to prove in real time that you are safe to be with your kids at carpool, at drop off, at handoff, whenever you're going to be driving. You blow into Soberlink. It uses facial recognition to prove that you are the one blowing at the time that you are taking the reading. It sends it off to the people who need to know people involved directly in your case, not to be used for publication, not to be used for social media. This just goes to the people who matter most for your case as you are collecting data. Soberlink Remote Alcohol Monitoring has helped over 500,000 people prove their sobriety and provide peace of mind during parenting time. And Seth, a word on the street is courts love it.
1: Yeah. And it's not just when you're getting in a car. Let's be clear. People can say never gotten a DUI. What's the issue? Well, the issue is, once you're home at five o'clock and you're no longer driving, but you're going to start cooking and having a glass of wine and that glass of wine turns into two bottles, that's now an issue. So it's not just getting in the car. It's when you the children are in your care, custody and control, are you focused on them and not using alcohol? Independent third-party real-time verification to support your case. I haven't been drinking. Here's the proof.
0: Those are the words that lawyers and courts love. But here are the words you're going to love. You can save 50 bucks off your device and get started right away at Soberlink.com toaster. That's Soberlink.com slash toaster. Thank you to Soberlink for sponsoring this show. So let's let's go back to the to the digital decluttering. Do you do uh, work on digital decluttering with folks too? Yes, yes. Because I my hunch is given the fact that there is no effective maximum space for digital stuff that that's even harder to say I need to I need to clean off some hard drives. I need to part with the stuff that's that's you know giving that that I am never going to look at again or or what. How do you approach digital decluttering?
2: again, kind of the same thing. I want people to think, what is this costing you? And I can like, oh, because all these electronics, sounds it's great that you've, you know, made it into wall art, but how much space is this taking up? And again, it's, you know, even if we're not aware of it, it's like a drip, drip, drip at the back of our mind. You know, I have all this stuff. And again, like opening up space, what is it that you want to create in your life? If you have all that clutter, it prevents you from doing it. And again, it's about discernment and going, do you really need to keep those blurry photos? Unflattering photos, why are you holding on to that?
1: You've touched on a topic. You both did that I was going to mention. So one, photos is a big deal in divorce. Oh, okay. So one thing I always recommend is immediately just make a second copy. Mm -hmm. And if it is an actual photo, take a good photo of the photo. Mm. So now you have it on your phone and it's digitally done. So those are the type of things that also get tripped up where people say, okay, you have to pay to get them copied and then you have to return and they don't trust each other and then they're they're getting a third party to do it. So handle those photos early, okay? But about digital decluttering, my mom kept everything and I think she came by it naturally. She grew up with parents in the Depression And that's a huge emotional, maybe I will not be able to get this 10 years from now. I'm holding on to it now. Yes. And when her father passed and her mom passed when she was young, and then my uncle passed, she got all of it. And there was like amazing things, but there was so much and so overwhelming that it was getting like dirty or dusty or moldy. And so I'm not going to be able to go through it anyway. in one day, and she passed two years ago. But before that, she was going through and scanning all of these documents. And she goes, look at how much progress I'm making. And me being the asshole son said, oh, my God, Mom, that's amazing. So when you pass, I can just hit delete and not have to call a trash removal. right? (laughs) And she laughed. But the problem I had with it is there were so many letters. There was so much stuff. I wasn't going to have time to go through it. Right. So, like, what was I supposed to do with it?
2: I have a couple thoughts. First, the young generations don't want your stuff. So for people who are listening, give your loved ones peace of mind that they're not stuck with having to go through everything. That's where discernment comes in. Like, first of all, what's more important for me? Peace of mind, getting money. My time, that's where you have to start or that's where I suggest starting because then that's going to help you determine your decisions. You're like, I don't want to go through 500 letters. You know what? I'm going to give myself two hours to go through these letters and maybe I'll pick a few that I can get in a frame or a shadow box or something that's important. So instead of having all the letters, just have a few.
1: I like that, Julie. Just in a row, I like that where you just say, there's a thousand letters here. I'm going to spend two hours I'm going to flip through and I might miss the key letters. Be- I don't have time to go through a thousand. I like that time frame aspect of it.
2: Yeah, I think that that's really important. Well, I wanted that one thing that for, for photos that I've done is uh, to get rid of, uh, we have a digital frame, which I love. We travel a lot. So they're all the travel pictures and they sit there and that's something that I really like. But again, like it's with the letters and everything, it goes back to what's most important. And then you, it's about making a decision right? And then you just have to say, you know what? I'm going to trust that I'll get what I need. I'm going to trust that I made, I have kept what's most important to me, right? You don't make yourself crazy. Oh my God, I didn't get to a thousand letters. You know what? I saved 10 that I think are really good after this two hours. It's good. I'm going to trust.
1: Right. And my kid's going to go through the 10 and save two. Right.
2: Probably. Probably.
1: Well,
0: it, and it's even it, it's made even more challenging when your photo library contains, you know, Two, five, ten, fifty 50 different shots of essentially the same thing because we all have cell phones and we all take pictures, a lot of pictures every time we push the shutter. Right. And so like making making the conscious effort as you create those memories to save just the most special ones. Uh, is really important. I do want to recommend one tool that I love in my experience. It is the best photo scanner for your phone. It's called PhotoScan. It's the scanner by Google Photos, and it allows you to take really great, high-resolution scans with your phone. Through stitching together multiple different angles, so it removes glare. That's the most special ah, thing okay. oh, about cool. this elapse. So we'll put it in the show notes if you if you've never played with PhotoScan, it's it's a really really great way to do it. Of course, you know, splitting your or, or duplicating your photo library, making sure you have a separate hard disk that you can put all these documents on. I wonder. I guess the less contentious the divorce, the easier it is to say this stuff. Like. Maybe you sit down before you split this and say, hey, what do you want to keep? What do I want to keep? What files are yours? What files are mine? Rather than making straight dupes, right? Because then you both have to go through all of the junk on your hard drives.
1: Yeah, I'm going to disagree with that one, Pete. What do you think? Well, because it's contentious, it's so much easier from a divorce perspective. Just make a copy. If you want to go through it later, go through it later. I just don't want to argue about it. And there's so many things that's such a trigger for people. You know the Harry Met Sally wagon wheel coffee the table, wagon wheel
0: coffee table, right? Yeah,
1: uh, it's just like a trigger, and you, it's just so stupid, right? To me, from a legal perspective, it's stupid. From the emotional perspective, I get it. Right, you're yeah. going through an emotional divorce, you're going through a legal divorce, but anything is just a landmine. So that that's why I would say, just make duplicates and go through it later.
0: Yeah at at some point, I mean, is there anything we've left out? We didn't talk too deeply about paper, right? and i i I think that's because we're maybe we're using less of it, but I don't know. I've got a bunch of file cabinets I haven't opened in fifteen years.
2: I don't think we are. I think they thought the computer would change that, but it's in my experience that it hasn't.
0: okay. So how do you approach uh, paper decluttering, same way you approach stuff, boxes and bins?
2: Well, I want to share a resource first because I see a lot of filing cabinets with this. It's called Manuals Online. And so a lot of people have these manuals, right? I got a fan. I got to keep the manual for it. You're going to be able to find 99.99% of your manuals. And because those take up so much physical space, recycle the manual and then find it online if you ever need it. 80-20 rule with paper is really important. A lot of this stuff, that people are keeping, they don't need to. And that's again something. When's the last time that you went through your filing? And it's really important to not be, in my opinion, super structured in your filing. Like, I have an insurance file. Okay, it'll take me 10 seconds to flip through it. Auto, health, all that stuff's in there. I don't want to have auto insurance, health insurance. Like, that's just more, it's easier. Let's just have an insurance file.
1: What's this 80-20 rule on this? I didn't understand that.
2: Oh, so we don't use 80% of the stuff we have. We only use 20% of the things that we own. Got it. Yeah.
1: Got it. So focus on that 20.
2: And I see that a lot with paper for sure. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, again, because
0: of our the, the curse of space, right? We have office, we put file cabinets in office, we keep everything.
2: And I mean, scanning is an option for certain things. Like we just, I finally like, oh, I've got a scan, I need to get new glasses. So let's scan the prescription. So we have it, and then I'm done. And then when it's the new glass prescription, I'll delete the old one.
1: Yeah, what I found helpful for me on important documents, I actually just take a picture of them and I have a favorites on my phone.
2: There you go, yeah.
1: Like literally, so I need your insurance card, photos, favorites. Mm-hmm. Here it is. Yeah, yeah.
0: we, uh, we, my family. We use the the important documents section in One Password. Keeps them secure and encrypted, and and I have a tag in one password that's called hashtag wallet, and I know that syncs to my devices. It syncs to my watch. If I need any of the scans of any of those documents, passports, licenses, insurance, they're all right in one place, and when we all know together where they are.
1: Yeah, we we should we should do one password in the show notes too, Pete, because that's yeah. really a good idea, good resource. But, yeah, but um, I like that manuals online because the other thing about the manuals online, Julie it's searchable yes yes you can actually get to it quicker than flipping through
0: not only is it searchable for the thing that you want you'll probably find the manual of the thing faster than if you go try to find it in your house at the bottom of your junk drawer yeah uh but yeah searching for specific content um and and i would say largely for us i think youtube has replaced all of our need for manuals right if i need to learn how to to decalcify my coffee maker, I can right. find that in 15 seconds on YouTube. Somebody's actually doing it for me, so yeah. uh, it's super useful stuff. Let's let's talk just a little bit about the uh, more about the as we get to some questions about the emotional breakups. Right, you have a spouse who has way too much stuff that is affecting your marriage. How do you approach a couple like this where somebody else may be exhibiting hoarding techniques or hoarding um, uh, issues?
2: Well, I want to say, first of all, so if you are a hoarder, you need to work with someone who's qualified. I mean, you've got some mental health issues going on with that. But just in what I'd call everyday basic marriages, a lot of times, one the clutter and ones to the organized. So it's a common problem. So what I first tell people is let's start in the present moment. I don't care what happened in the past. We are a team. We're working together. It's not your mortal enemy. And a lot of times, you know, you've got to have a little bit of give on each side. Like if you're like Martha Stewart, I'm not like Martha Stewart. That would drive me nuts if my husband did that. But I'd be like, I'd never want to pick up anything because I couldn't live up to that standard. So maybe someone needs to relax and someone needs to pick it up. So say that a spouse reads a lot. Maybe books or magazines and they're like, oh my God, the bedroom's a disaster. Look at all these books. Okay, then let's just get a pretty basket and we can throw all the reading materials in it. Now, you're going to have to let it go that it's not alphabetized and super neat, but it's contained and it's not clutter and you can rifle through and find what you need instead of making it super strict. So it's about finding that balance.
1: That's a really good point about books. The other thing is they just get so dusty. <laughs> yeah. In and and I, I laugh with you, Pete, but my parents had books forever and they were so dusty as they got older. And I, my father recently moved to an assisted living facility. I think his health is better because we don't have the dusty books.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's the other, I'm glad you brought that up, but that's the other thing about clutter. It can uh, not only dust, but rodents and, you know, it's filth and it can attract all that gross stuff.
0: I, I admit to being a, like, I love books. I love books. I never found myself developing the emotional attach, attachment to the feel and the smell of the paper books. And so it was a very easy thing for me to migrate to digital books and, uh, you know, read on an e-reader or my, you know, you know, whatever I read on my phone, I read on my iPad, I read wherever. Uh, but, but making that shift took an enormous cognitive load off of my, out of my brain, right? Not mm-hmm. thinking about where to put them, how to organize them. It was incredibly liberating. Same thing with with um, media. I used to have thousand CDs DVD, oh, wow. hundreds of DVDs, right? I'm I'm an entertainment guy. Like, I just love my media and mm-hmm. uh, getting rid of, I, I got rid of all of those. And, you know, I did the, the, I captured them all digitally and now I have a robust library I can access anywhere without the cognitive load, the friction of organizing collections that ultimately weren't the important part, right? The The artifact wasn't important. It was the experience that I get when I use those things. If there's another way I can use them, Without that load, so much
1: the better. called Netflix.
0: <laughs> right, right. <It laughs> Hulu.
1: Is yeah. there Peacock. Some, I,
0: I get very frustrated because there are cha- challenges right now when you get these major streamers who are pulling the stuff that I love off of their service. I get very frustrated by that. Like, own your media if you can. I do still purchase my digital media when I when there are movies that are really important to me, but we, you know, curse of riches right now. What, getting rid of stuff takes a, a long time time. Right. How do you It depends
2: on your frame of mind?
0: Yeah, right. I guess that's you have true. to
2: look at everything. You have to have a memory about it. That's going to take a long time. Other people, OK, yeah. just shh, go.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true. Do you have a do you do you help folks like build a, a plan like you when we started talking, we talked about like focus on one room, one place. Yeah. Um. You know, do you have a, a routine that you recommend for people to get into it without actually, you know, dropping the habit of of decluttering when they're trying to make a big push
2: it goes back to what is most important to you right you can't have the beer steins and the albums and whatever keeping what's most important and again what's most important is it time do you need the cash and you're like you know what i got to go through to see what i can sell yeah do i want to make some to quicker mine, just let it go
1: i advocate yeah. you sell everything and pay your lawyer
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh seth you're still here <laughs> all right of course but
1: When you're talking about decluttering, sometimes it's forced because Mm -hmm. you lived in a big house and now you're getting divorced and you're moving to a smaller space. Yes.
2: Downsizing. Yeah. So
1: talk to us about creating your own new space. So first off, I think and this what you know I've read studies on this or articles too, that it's very interesting what people buy because when they set up their new space, boy, it isn't anything like their old space because they don't have to share. Right. Right. So one thing is you are getting rid of a bunch of stuff that you didn't want anyway, because it's all the stuff that the spouse had that you didn't like. Yeah. So what do you do when you're setting up new space? Can you talk us through that?
2: Sure. Well, so one thing you're going to want to really, if you haven't, like if you're keeping some of the furniture, I'm saying, if you know, you're not letting everything go, if I'm going from a 4,000 square foot house to, to 1,500 square square foot apartment, not everything is going to fit. So depending what I think is really important is, you know, coming up with a style. And then if you have your furniture, placing your furniture first, right? And if you're moving into a condo, okay, I can let the lawnmower go because they're going to have someone come and cut the grass. So knowing again, other things that you can let go. I would ask myself like for each room, like my room, my office I'm here is painted royal purple. I love it. I wouldn't have that anywhere in the house, but it inspires me. And so what do I want to do when I'm in my office? I want to be inspired. I need to make money. I need to be creative. And so I like doing that for each room. And I'm, you know, a very visual person. So I like to make little boards. Okay, this is kind of, oh, you know what, this is kind of, I'm a, I don't even know what my style would be like. I'm a modernist or old school or antique person. And then, okay, this is the kind of style I want. This is how I want the room to feel and then go from there. And I think, you know, for me, color is so important. And I think, you know, it was like before we moved back and I'm like having to sell a house, I'm like, oh, we have to agreeable gray or beige. Blah. You know, I don't want any of that. I want color. I think that that, you know, you have okay, the opportunity. Julie, beige,
1: beige is my favorite color. I mean that just hit me in the heart. Uh,
2: I'm I'm sorry. I hope that you can that you can recover from that. It's not, no. but I
1: do I do like some gray. I'll be honest about that one. Hey, you know, agreeable
2: gray. I get it. But if I have the opportunity, then I, like for me, then color. So what is it you want? to Inspire? How do you mean? In color, is something that can be fun. And it's yours now. You're the one that gets to make the decision, right? If you had to, you know, okay, I'm going to go with my spouse on this one you know, and do that and have your style and create boards
1: and have fun with it. Is there a trick to not recluttering?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, that you have mentioned going through everything every year and you have a maintenance plan like. Every end of week, put all your files away in your office at the end of the week do a little decluttering, right? If you do that, it's going to take five or 10 minutes. But if you let time go on and on, and like you mentioned, someone mentions your wife with the shoes, if you buy one that you have to let one go, right? I mean, that's a great thing. That, I mean, and again, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to fall in the trap of being super strict because sometimes, oh, but you know what? There really aren't a pair of shoes that I want to let go of right now and then getting that frustration. So, okay, you know what? Not this time, but the next time. But, you know, being flexible. With your rules, but setting something up like that. What is my clutter kryptonite? If I'm bringing all this, you know, maybe I go on a shopping spree and buy 10 things and maybe don't let 10 go, but at least I let five go. And, you know, I'm going to examine what I own every year. And again, building those muscles and having some regular routine around it.
1: And I will tell you, I think donating things is amazing. The firm and NLG here just last week, we spent some time on the weekend, uh, a group of us, not everybody, but we went and literally um, sorted through clothes that were donated to a local charity. Nice. One of the things the guy said was, look, double check these to make sure that they are worthy to wear, not holes or dirty or smelly or any of that stuff. And I said, what do you do with the stuff that we just have to get rid of? He goes, we put it in that big trailer, And they actually sell it. Somebody comes and buys it, and it ultimately gets recycled. That's great. It was really kind of an eye-opening experience. And I mean, literally, there was just car after car (laughs) arriving on a Saturday. And we were busy the whole time, just sorting, sorting, sorting.
2: I want to mention something about that that you brought up. In California, if you donate to a charity, you might be costing them money because if they can't recycle it, they have to pay a landfill fee. And so that's something that people don't think about. And what I would say if you're not going to give it to your friend or your family member, don't dump it on a charity. Is it look, I'm all about being green as much as possible. Is it stain? Is it holy? Okay, then maybe turn it into a rag or send it to the garbage because it is you know, its life is over.
1: That's a good point.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. We, I, I know, we have out here. We have a, a responsible recycling third party uh, that actually takes every two weeks. They'll take a bag of fabrics. So you have shirts that you want to give, and they do the sorting and donating where appropriate. But they have a whole recycling process. But again, that's here, and I know sometimes neighborhood to neighborhood, those options can be different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there, there's a building. In downtown Tampa that stopped a residential building that stopped recycling because people weren't doing it properly Mm -hmm. and it cost the building Mm -hmm. so much financially that they're like, we we just can't do this. Um, You
0: just have to check your local recycling jurisdiction. Oh,
1: ding, yep. ding, ding, ring the yep. bell. You scored on that one, Pete. Nice yep. job. Yep. That, you know, I, I, Andy gets all the credit. He's in there
0: typing. the he, he made it purple and italic. Just one of you make this comment. He's in the background.
1: I can't believe you gave Andy the credit. I was totally going <laughs> to give it all to you on that one.
0: <laughs> well, this is, I mean, it's just really uh, fascinating. I, one more thing about the, about the clothes. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of the hanger trick. I don't know where I learned it, but mm-hmm. I'm one of those people where I turn all my hang backwards. Yep. And when I wear something, I turn it back around. I turn that hanger back around. And then at the end of six months, anything I see where the hanger is still backward, I know I'm not wearing that.
1: Whoa, 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 whoa. Back up. I've never heard of this trick. Seriously? I'm serious.
0: Yeah, that's surprising. Oh, yeah. It's a staple. So you go, you take your hangers, right? and you turn them all backwards so the hanger the hanger part comes out cuz that's not how you normally do that. Because do I could talk about it more if you need. So and then when you pull the shirt or the pants out of the closet just that first time you take the hanger and you turn it back around. Right. So when you're done wearing that thing, it goes back on normally. At the end of some period, you get to decide if it's seasonal, if it's a year, whatever. You're going to have some hangers that are still facing the wrong way. And you'll know you don't wear those clothes anymore. You can dump them.
1: Wow. I've never heard of that. You
0: can do the same thing with shoes. You can turn your shoes upside down in the shelf. You can put your T-shirts upside down in the shelf. And if and when you put it back, you know that you, are, you put it back right side up. That means you wore it. But if you didn't, you'll still see any of the t-shirts that are still upside down in your drawer. Yeah. Boom. Bob's your uncle. You're an American hero.
1: <laughs> I Love it. That's a great <laughs> idea. I've literally never heard of this.
2: Yeah.
0: Fancy.
1: Julie's you looking what. at me like you're an idiot. Like yeah. everyone's. Heard <laughs> no, of you
2: does. just you just said that you liked you know organizing declutterings. So yeah. That's, you know.
1: Yeah, I think I in, and I was like thinking like through my closet. I know. I'm pretty good at what I wear and what I don't wear. Yeah. So I, I'm not too concerned about that with me, but I think it's a great idea.
0: Yeah, it's a great idea. I, I It has is, it is really worked for me, for sure. Uh, love it. So, okay, look at all the tips we've give. This is not a divorce show. What are we doing? We should hang it up and just do organizing talk. No, Julie's got
1: a speed on that. Like I know, Julie no definitely
0: way. has a speed mm-hmm. on that. So, Julie, before we uh, as we get to ra- wrapping up here, tell us, uh, all the stuff you're doing. Where would, you, where would you like to send people to learn more about you?
2: I'd love for them to go to reawakenyourbrilliance.com. I've got affirmations. I've got journal prompts. I have 15 books. I have video and audio classes if you're a DIYer. And if you want to work together, technology is great and we can do that. And if you go, you can sign up for my free newsletter and you get 10 free tips to declutter your life right now. So I'm giving you a take action. Bam, you can do something
0: outstanding. All right, links in the show notes and and clear clear your clutter inside and out, right? Yep, podcast, yeah. Got like 500 episodes.
2: Yeah. A decade.
1: Outstanding. Okay, so I have to ask a serious question then. Sure. When do you start kind of clearing out the old episodes? Is that too much clutter on your 500 out there?
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you a, a little, a little, be the first to know I'm ending the podcast this month. It's been a decade. Oh. It's time to do something new, a new something project. Next. So I'm going to leave it up because that's kind of free advertising, right? Because it's pretty awesome. I know I'm biased, but it's done pretty well. And so they'll have a whole and it's my way also of giving back cuz the podcast is free so if you don't can't rub two nickels together you at least can get started
0: Absolutely well, the link will be in the show notes. It is a a fantastic monument to uh, your organizing expertise, so thank you Julie. and um, thanks for thanks for hanging out with us. you know we've got we've got our our feedback link in the show notes and we encourage people to uh, send us a note uh, whenever you have any questions. and if you have any specific questions or tips, I hope Julie we can send them your way and we can answer them on a future show. That would be fantastic.
2: Absolutely.
0: All right. This was great. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to the show. We appreciate your time and your attention. On behalf of Julie Caraccio and Seth Nelson, America's favorite divorce attorney, I'm Pete Wright. and We'll catch you back here next week on How to Split a Toaster, the divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with NLG Divorce and Family Law with offices in Tampa, Florida.